0: I mean, He's been putting in work for so long putting a lot of work. What's going on guys? Welcome back to putting in work episode 100 duh, 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 Of the interview podcast on the 8-bit collective powered by audio technica I'm your host John O'Peck, here for the hundredth time and of course our guest this week bringing it full circle It's Greg Miller from kind of funny back after launching the podcast in January 2017 Greg was kind enough to give me some of his time off to do this interview, and last time we only had like a 15-minute chat at RTX Sydney, so it was really good to look at everything that's happened since then. It's been a really busy time for Greg, and for kind of funny, I've been through a lot of changes. So we've got to look at the evolution that's happened within that company in that time. You know, they've lost one of their co-founders, friend of this show, Colin Moriarty. They've added staff. They're twice as big as they were now in terms of the people that work for them. The content reflected those changes and kind of funny itself has discovered a whole new audience while maintaining a lot of the fans that have been there for the first two years of the company if you don't know what kind of funny is i would suggest going back and listening to that episode one before you get into this it's a quick listen and it goes through kind of who greg is why he's so important you know Why he has 1.3 million Twitter followers, for example. He's a guy that has a voice in the video games community that just resonates with so many people. And I think his relationship with his community is an essential part of why Kind of Funny is what it is. And it's part of the reason that the industry respects him so much. It's why Kind of Funny can host an event like the Kind of Funny Games Showcase where they debut a whole bunch of video game trailers. It's why he's hosting an event like the Dice Awards, which is coming up. And we talked about his extracurricular activities, as well as the evolution of the multiple platforms that Kind of Funny uses in this industry of internet media. Talked about maintaining an audience versus growing and a lot of stuff that's been probably a big part of the success of Greg and Kind of Funny over the past two years. So I wanted to bring a new level of hype to this episode. It is 100. It only happens once. I know it's kind of an arbitrary number, but it's a nice round arbitrary number and it basically signifies two years of doing this podcast, which I'm really proud of. So I brought in some help to add the appropriate level of hype. And it's the Hype Man himself, former guest of this podcast, and kind of funny best friend, Snowbike Mike. Take it away, Mike.
1: What is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Snowbike Mike, welcoming you to the 100th episode of the Putting in Work podcast. Today, we celebrate a major milestone as we continue our journey with your host, John Peck, as he chronicles incredible stories from people of all walks of life, putting in work to pursue their dreams and making those dreams reality. After two years of podcasting, O wanted to invite back his first guest, Greg Miller, as Greg and his company, Kind of Funny, celebrate their fourth anniversary. And as John O looks forward to his third year of the podcast. So sit back, relax, and let these two inspire you with their stories of putting in work.
0: Greg, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being my 100th guest, as well as my very first guest. So here we are. Look at you making it to episode 100. Yeah. Did you think I'd get this far when I told you you were I my- thought you'd be dead <laughs> in a gutter by now. Uh... I came close. I came close. but <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys know how to drink, so that's probably <laughs> yeah, that probably led to it. Uh, I think, it really, in honesty, the fact that I had you and Tim as my first two guests was a huge help for me getting guests in the future. There's been a lot of your friends that have come on the show, and uh, they probably don't know that you kind of had to be a guest because it was like part of the media circuit, but uh, it's helped anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got it. You took your chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tim's always saying, shoot your shot. You shot it. That's it. So... Usually on this podcast, I cover everyone's like, you know, their backstory, their origin story, how they got to where they are. But we've already done that, even though, you know, it was like a 15 minute interview. People can go back and listen to that. So we don't have to retread it now. But I'm interested what the difference is for you now compared to the start of last year. I think it was, yeah, it was like January 2017. And we're kind of funny as a company. And you personally have come since then because there's been a lot of changes, obviously. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. I mean, it's night and day, right? If you want to talk about being here right now at the start of pretty much 2019 Mm.
0: and where we were at the
1: start of 2017, right? Like, it's crazy. Like, when does this post? Uh, The third. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's going up the day before uh, kind of funny day 2019, right? Where we're going to announce all the new initiatives for 2019 and plot our course for that year. But I mean, you know, we've been on such a crazy upswing. It's kind of funny, whether it be, you know, the 30 for 30 with Tim, whether it be... Hiring more people, whether it be new shows, whether it be you know uh, the personal success we've all found. I mean, me personally getting married, right? Yeah. Like Nick being a comedian now, uh, <laughs> me hosting the Dice Awards and doing all these crazy things. Like it's been insane. You know what I mean? It's it's we think of you know we keep joking that uh, January Fourth is going to be kind of funny 4.0, and it's a joke because it's the fourth anniversary, but it's also true that you know every year we come to this January time frame we relaunch the product, we relaunch the brand, we do something new, do we do something exciting and Mm. really capitalize on what we've seen the past year, the past 365 days. So, you know, for you to be here with
0: episode 100, for us to be, you know, about to start year five of Kind of Funny, it's crazy. Yeah. And I guess it's it's something where, like, if I think back over my time following Kind of Funny, there's been three distinct eras. There was like you guys, when you were still at IGN, Mm -hmm. and then there was probably the first two years after you left IGN. And then there was the changes to the lineup with Colin leaving, bringing in Andy, bringing in, uh, I guess, Jared and and Danny O'Dwyer for a bit and Andrea and Cool Greg and Joey as well. And yeah. that's kind of, like, in my mind, the three distinct eras. And have you seen kind of those circumstances have shaped the content as well?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, Kind of Funny is such a personal product for all of us, right? Like, it's a job for sugar, but it is our lives and it's reflected in that. So I think as you've seen all of us, evolve and changes people you've seen us all the shows and the content all evolve and change as well right and i think yeah you you know we always talk about what kind of funny live three really being the softer relaunch right of kind of funny where we kept so much of it but obviously changed so much of it too and to see the success something like kind of funny games daily is found and you know the fact that i love doing it it's a show i miss doing uh to see what happened with in review a show you know we launched on a whim yep. in terms of like oh this would be fun to rewatch all the marvel movies. But then to see it find its own fan base, bring in all these different people, see people writing it up. It's kind of funny. It's always a reflection of what we find important, what we want to do. And I think, you know, you look at uh, The Kind of Funny Morning Show. And when Nick took that over and that became his show, really letting him stretch his legs as an entertainer, which he's always been. But as he doubled down on, you know, doing comedy here in the Bay Area, he really found a way to expand what he was doing with The Game Over, Greggy show once a week into something he could do every day. Sure.
0: And I'm interested in like, I guess the concept of evolution, because that's going to be something we're talking about here for a bit, but do you think that it's necessary, obviously you've evolved a lot, but do you think it's necessary for you as creators to do that? Or is it for an audience side of it as well, where, you know, people out there consuming the content, I don't know, they need to feel like things are progressing or that you're keeping up with the times, like how much of the evolution is you versus the audience? I think it goes hand in hand and maybe this
1: is just for kind of funny, but you know, like, you know it better than most, right? Like we call the audience best friends and we mean it. And so I think a lot of that in terms of what you'll see changes in kind of funny come from what we feel as creators we need to do, but also, you know, what we think the audience would want. Like, you know, we're never going to go and change something just to change something, right? Like – you know spoilers for you i guess uh kind of funny games daily won't change much on january 4th right like that's an established product that everybody really loves and we're really really happy with so why go in and you know tweak what isn't broken mm. but i think as you see us come around with new show ideas or changes to show formats or something to that effect that does represent the fact that yeah we need to evolve and we need to chase our passions because that's what kind of Funny's always been about it hasn't been about us reporting on the industry it's been very much about us chasing our passions and our audience being along for that ride and i think as you look at anything we've done you see that in terms of whether it be something like yeah making kind of funny games daily whether it be something like doing the marvel movies whether it be me being very open that i miss interviewing people like i i think those are all things people want to see us do and succeed with And in hand in hand that goes that you know if we're into the content if we're excited about what we're doing if we believe in the product
0: we're selling the message we're giving others will too and from that audience side of things is there a pressure to keep up with what people want even though it might not necessarily be the things that you've been thinking about
1: yes and no i think any audience pressure comes from us wanting to deliver what they want but you know i always talk about xbox one right where i think xbox one launched or it got announced And it turned out really quick, right, that the audience didn't want that vision and Xbox didn't believe in that vision. And that's why Xbox changed course so quickly. Whereas with us, I think when we announce a show or when we tell you why we're doing something or why we're not doing something, that's us already believing in our vision. Like we understand that, yeah, people would love us to do an Xbox show. They'd love it to have a more PC thing, blah, blah, blah. At some point for the seven of us, right, we have to be honest about who we are and what we believe in and what we can do at the moment. And so I feel like we've done a good job over these four years talking to the audience about that and having them understand that. it's not that I don't want to do those things. It's just that I'm not the guy to deliver an Xbox podcast for you. Mm. So you have to hope that with their support on Patreon or buying a shirt or whatever, we can build a team to that point where that is part
0: of it. And how much of, I guess, making these decisions, whether it's, you know, we need to do more Let's Plays, let's do more streaming, let's do maybe less podcast and more video, like these kinds of things... Is it just looking at what people are enjoying already, or is it adjusting to what you've seen other people succeed with, or is mm. it is it really just a, a huge combination of all these things mixed in with what you feel like would be the best content?
1: We're lucky enough that I think we know who we are and what our audience wants. We've been doing this long enough, right? And I always joke around about on the shows, right, that if you look at our YouTube numbers, you're like, oh my God, these guys, how are they even making this work, right? When in reality, <laughs> it is the fact that we're a huge audio only audience like that Mm we i I think we started this and we thought of ourselves very much as youtubers and over the years we've been reminded and brought back to the life and in fact we are podcasters and so for us then it becomes yeah like what's the best avenue to deliver an idea to an audience member and again just like i am with my comic book show on Patreon or when I want to talk about trophies or, you know, how Tim is with Fast and Furious or Marvel, we understand that if we are passionate about something, the audience will be passionate about it too. And maybe not the entire audience, but a section of it. Maybe it'll bring in a new part of the audience. Maybe somewhere, you know, along those lines, it's going to... If you make something you believe in, others will too. So I don't know how much we look externally and see what other people are doing. Obviously, we get inspired by all sorts of stuff. You know, I see... Uh, Brian's travel show over on IGN and I'm like man yeah I'd love to do something like that but that's not something I'm going to do anytime soon or ever maybe it's just something that I really respect and see them doing Uh, obviously we see the success uh, Rooster Teeth and Achievement Hunter have with Let's Plays that's rad but we're different you know what I mean like party mode I know uh, on some places looks very traditional but for us it's so radical you know what I mean it is such a different idea and it is like the premier Let's Play thing we do because we were doing the other stuff before, and I don't know if we were doing it right. And I don't know if it was something necessarily at the time we believed in the vision of. It was very much, let's get together and we'll play games. And they were fun and they were good, but were they something we were dying to do or were they a chore to do? You know, Party board's never been that. Mm. Game Over Greggy Show's never been that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because as like someone in the community talking to other people about your content it seems like there are people who they might have never watched a party mode but they listen to kind of funny games daily every single day or they might right. listen they might listen to gog every week and gamescast and that's it or you know they might watch they might watch gog but n- they never listen to it and then there's someone like me that listens to it every week because that's how I prefer to consume my content so are you just thinking that it's the method of throwing everything out there you know here's all the content it's a buffet take what you want and uh hope that it tastes good
1: yeah that's part of it
0: I think it is very
1: much that we're well aware that the people who watch everything or listen to everything are rare and that we are not the, you know I, I remember when Colin and I would be doing uh piece I love you and we'd go to do Gamescast, and we'd be like, "Well, like we said here," uh, and we'd always yeah. be like, "Damn, I hate the fact that we're saying that. I hate this the, um, people are going to get so mad that we're repeating the same stuff." And in reality, there's such a wide berth there of people that mm. lots, of, you know, watch this or listen to this and didn't listen to that or watch that. That I, I, we're over that for the most part, I think, where we understand, okay, cool, we can have a similar conversation here. We have a different idea there, and no show or product is ever going to reach everyone that considers themselves a kind of funny best friend. Yeah. And that's awesome and liberating and terrifying in the same breath. Of uh, Yeah, I'd love to, where can I go to deliver a message, you know what I mean? Like, when I was at the Chicago meet and greet uh, at, back at uh, Thanksgiving, and these uh, folks had driven down from Toronto. They had driven down seven hours to hang out with us and see us for, you know, the ten minutes I got to ha- shake hands. And I was like, oh my God, that's so great, But blah, I'm like, but why did you come to EGLX? And they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Nick and I were just in Toronto like two months ago," and they were like, "Fuck!" Like, you know what I mean? How do, you, <laughs> how, how do you miss the tweets or the things on the morning show or the game? But they did because maybe they're they're like me and they let podcasts stack up and then mm-hmm. listen to them over time. Maybe they they you know maybe the one show they did listen to. Maybe they were in review fans. We didn't talk about it. Like, it's impossible to tell everybody everything, which is crazy.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting and like in talking about evolution the platforms that you use as well have changed incredibly over those two years so i'm interested in how youtube patreon twitch whatever it is how they've changed but also where you see them going whether you think that they'll make things more difficult whether they'll make things easier or if you just have to kind of see what happens and adjust to it on the fly
1: man you know when i think about twitch or youtube or podcasts or spotify and all these different platforms and how we use them it, i'm often reminded of how we were when i was still at ign in the early days and then how we were when we started kind of funny where at ign everybody's very focused on ign.com And getting people to the .com and to the homepage and all the content would be there. And why would we put things on YouTube when we have (laughs) our own video player and all these different things? You know, and eventually, while I was there, right? You figure I was there eight years. Obviously, all that changed. IG, a huge powerhouse on YouTube now and a million other places. But it was that idea of like, okay, cool. We can no longer expect the customer to come to us. We have to go to them. You know, we have to find the consumers where they are. And so that was something. You know, that was important. As we went with Kind of Funny. In the beginning, we thought it was so easy, you know, go to Patreon and get everything. Oh my gosh, go to kinda funny.com and get everything. Go, you know, go to just a YouTube page and see everything. But no one does that. And so we have to be better at promoting everywhere. That's the biggest thing. I need we need to be everywhere. We need to be in front of everybody's eyes or ears and wherever they're getting it. And so, like, you know, it was a big deal to get on Spotify in the last Times this since last time we talked, mm. and then even this morning, you know, on the subreddit, there was a thing where a kid was like, I, Hey, tune in isn't updating with kind of funny games daily, and that is 100% a tune in problem. That's not like we're not clicking a box, but it is something we need to chase down when we get back in 2019. We need to figure out why we're not there because all it takes is that one or two weeks, and like this person is on the subreddit being like, Hey, where is everybody? Everybody else is forgetting about us and listening to something else, right? Like that's how it works out, and so as we go forward and especially for 2019 i want to see us get way more serious about social like you know what i mean we we don't use facebook well i'm not a facebook person you know our facebook page rarely gets updated we need to do that cuz there's so many people that just do that and even on twitter i think as we've gotten as we found more and more success, success which is awesome and amazing and it's so so great and we you know can do these things without it You know, tweeting out links and short videos has gotten more rare or harder to do. Like, we need to double down and focus Mm -hmm. on that just because it is that thing of so many people don't subscribe to the YouTube page. You know what I mean? Like, we just put up, uh, or I shouldn't even say we just put up, last Saturday, we put up the Wingstop stream we did of Smash Brothers on YouTube, which was outside of the normal uh, wealth of content, let alone the normal publishing schedule. So, like, today I went in to promote it and I was like, Oh damn, like these views are gonna be terrible because on if you go to youtube.com slash kinda funny games, right? We put it into the kinda of funny plays playlist, which doesn't have a playlist uh slotted on the page anymore because we don't do anything regularly that way. Mm. And luckily the video did fine because again, it's people looking at their new YouTube notifications. They're not coming to youtube.com slash kinda funny games. They're not Going I'm, I still think it's so mentality of like, oh man, like I like this creator. I'm gonna go check, you know, yeah. Philly D's site. I'm gonna go see exactly what they put up today. That's not how it works at all. And we need to get better about that. And I want to continue to be in front of all these people. So, you know, you ask, what do I think of the platforms? That, you know, how they've changed, whether it be Patreon, YouTube, Twitch, and all that stuff. They've all gotten smarter. They've all added in things we need or want. But for me, it's so much more about just getting there than in terms of w- what they're doing. I know YouTube. You know, like now does things like to promote your live stream ahead of time and all these different and it's like we don't use youtube that way so we don't use it i'm just excited that
0: you know playlisting is easy and end cards seem to be working well (laughs) yeah it's funny like if someone's not on a particular platform they almost miss out in some ways because that's just the way it goes like i've got friends who have been like "Oh, i'm just i'm gonna like disconnect my facebook page and it's like oh well i guess i'll talk to you next time I see you like, because (laughs) you know, (laughs) unless you go out of your way to send them a a text or something, they're never just going to pop up in front of you um, in a way that you can keep up with what's happening in their life or whatever. And it's just, yeah, it it reminds me of that. It's it's funny. Well, that's the whole thing about it, right? That's how this all works is that it is, it's not that we don't like
1: each other as much as we used to or anything else, but we all just become creatures of habits where I go there. And like, I know so much about so many of my friends from the Instagram feed and you know, what they yeah. post, but if you're not using Instagram and you are just a Facebook person, I have no idea what's happening in your life. I do not use Facebook. That's just not how I do
0: it. So, yeah. And so I'm interested in the creative vision because any group of people that are trying to create stuff together. As human beings, we naturally have different perspectives. We have different interests and different desires. I'm assuming that that's not a struggle, but a tension for a group like you guys. Like, obviously, we saw Colin left because he wanted to do things differently. And I know that uh, you and Tim have talked about kind of funny in not like vastly different ways, but you both have probably different initial visions of what kind of funny would be in, like, say, five years. So, how do you kind of pinpoint in a direction that? Is positive positive and, and making sure that everyone's happy with what's happening
1: well i think for the most part
0: it's all about communication right i think at the very core of it all the
1: members of kind of funny are there with the same belief in the mm. same system right that they're there to, we're there to make content with our best friends for our best friends sure period you know full stop like we want to be a positive force on the internet uh so you start from that point and I wouldn't say there's ever tensions. I would say there's conversations about stuff, right, where mm. I'll say I want to do, you know, I, I think this would be a good idea. And you, it's rarely is it ever I say this would be a good idea and I think it's a great idea and nobody else does. Right. It's usually that I'm like, mm, I'm not sold on this de- idea. Am I wrong that it's wrong? And Tim or Nick or whoever will be like, no, that's not a great idea. Okay, cool. That's what I thought too. We'll pass that opportunity or we won't go to this event because it conflicts with something else. Uh, in terms of everything else though, all we do is, Support and build on each other's stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think nobody I'm thinking is a rundown check down in my head right now with the team, right? None of us have come out with an idea for a show or something and been, hey, I really want to do this. This is what how it's going to be. And let's, and, and like, this is how I see it happening. And have somebody else at the team go, like, mm, I don't think that's a good fit. It's always, well, even if we don't agree or not even agree, we don't see the initial pitch, I guess, being as uh, something, you know, that we would it's it's iteration right it is the idea of hey i i'm I'm struggling because i don't have an example (laughs) this hasn't happened (laughs) hey hey i want to do a playstation vr show uh uh, uh, even better example hey i want to do kind of i want to do a press conference playstation isn't doing a psx press conference i think we should do a psx press conference i think it should be in this my vision is like I, i once i said that and everybody was like that sounds great that sounds awesome they're like what does it look like and i'm like that's not really my domain, Nick, Tim. That's where you guys come in. I envision us in front of the studio. Maybe we rent a jib, and they're like, "A jib wouldn't fit in the studio." I'm like, "That's a great point." I don't understand really what a jib is. Like, that's more of what it is. I think anybody who brings an idea to the table now, we're not about we're not about shooting the idea down or poking holes in it. even. it's just about how to make that idea better and make it even. You know, I think when we get to January fourth, I'd be able to talk more freely about some of the stuff. But in terms of like, here's what this is and what we think it could be.
0: Sure. Nice little teaser for January 4. Yeah, I know, right? This whole thing's just an ad. Yeah. Kind of funny day, 2018. Yeah, that's it. So in terms of the audience, we've talked about a bit. And also I mentioned like the word tension, but do you ever look at the goal of maintaining an audience versus growing the audience? Because I know that for some people to grow an audience means, okay, we have to do more or we have to do things differently versus I guess maintaining an audience is making sure that you hit all these points to keep people happy who've come along because they liked X or Y or Z along the way sure
1: Uh, I think the main thing for us is maintaining we I mean don't get me wrong we'd love to grow we'd love this we hope to have a huge studio one day we you know blah 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 blah, and so on and so like that's not we're not the site that uh, you know keeps a tracker in the office of our youtube viewers subscribers right Mm -hmm. or do in like i think we once pushed for some goofy number at like 263 or something just to be idiots but like that's not who we are and what it is it is very much more that i want i like seeing kebabs every day in kind of funny games daily and capitalist pig you know we want to see ziger in the chats we love talking to amy you know we we see you and then you start getting into different groups right of who you see doing what where and then like You know uh, Jericho doing the comics club with me. Like it, it would be way more alarming to see those names not be there. But for us, it is a maintaining thing. But again, we're lucky and blessed, I guess, in the way that the audience that we have and that believes in us and supports us on Patreon also believes in our vision for what we're doing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I feel it's rare that we have to justify a decision that we've made. And when we do, usually people are like, "Oh, that makes one hundred percent sense." Thanks for explaining it. You know, what I mean, like, when was the last time you saw someone get mad that we were sponsored by Wingstop, or get mad at a sponsorship period in terms of an out of the blue, or out of the ordinary sponsorship, not a mid-read, but some kind of you know, tweet or Instagram post or whatever. Sure. Because we've been lucky enough over these five years to build trust with them and have the, everybody understand that if we use something or talk about something, we do. Oh, like a great example, right? Was um the d3 game uh marvel puzzle quest where that's a mobile game everybody knows we don't really play mobile games it's the rare thing with the exception of tim he plays all that disney emoji <laughs> crap all time. but like you know what i mean like for me to be like hey i played this mobile game it's marvel and it's puzzle quest you guys and i had the message of you remember I, I loved puzzle quest on psp so like this is what it is and i actually am playing and i actually do like it like even all that said I still expected blowback more of like oh my god I you know the guys never never being an exaggeration but never play mobile games and that didn't happen people were like oh Greg's talking about this Greg actually likes this game I understand that I can trust that like we we've been around long enough that I think we've established well enough and the audience is established in who they are and who we are that they understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and having conversations. There was a great conversation on, I think it was the last uh, Games Daily of the year about like you know me hosting gigs for, uh, uh, well, hosting the Overkills, The Walking Dead thing, and then doing the Fallout uh, seventy six Twitter stream or uh, uh, Twitter party and how like those you know weren't great games but you did it and like do you regret it and yada 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 and it was like well no because i wasn't promoting those games as being great i did those things because i was allowed to ask questions and be honest and that's another great example of rather than see someone troll us or scream at us or whatever it was a very respectful question written in about the business side of what we do which is awesome
0: Hmm. yeah that brings me to a a question that will be interesting to hear what you have to say because you sent out these tweets the other day about like the fragility of an audience in talking about insomniac and spider-man and kind of this entitlement that people had over you know the the sam raimi suits and the uh the way that that was uh, mishandled i guess by that community and uh it, it made me wonder whether using a moniker like best friends and creating this uh relationship with an audience that you know some of them you know you do know you recognize them but many of them there's just too many for that to be realistic um in the For literal sure. so many
1: are that sil- the silent majority i talk about all the time right yeah
0: in the literal sense of best friends like that's impossible obviously but you know yeah. there's obviously the spirit behind it and that's all great but do you feel like with a term like that being thrown around people foster this sense of entitlement and that either you should listen to us and you should do what we want all the time and if you don't then it's just lip service and it's fake and blah blah blah
1: no in the early days there was concern of that I think and even in the early days of establishing it and seeing people wrestle with it on the forums or on the Facebook group and the people who do pop up in now a Reddit thread or somewhere else and be like I think it's bullshit that they call us kind of funny best friends so on and so forth they don't tell us everything blah 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 I've always thought they just they missed the point of it they're they're thinking too too locked into thinking of it the same way I would call Poe my best friend in real life right like It's the idea that we're talking to you as best friends. It's the idea that we understand you're inviting us into the intimacy of your life and your routine, which I think is the biggest part for podcasts or consuming content in general. It's the idea that you're here again for that unified reason, right? That we are all here to be a positive place and to be able to disagree with each other but not sink to the low levels of the internet and be a troll and be an Mm -hmm. asshole, right? And the one thing we've lost and I've started bringing back recently, right? I forget where it was too. It was a thread somewhere. I think on Reddit. Maybe it was on, no. It was on. It was on the. Oh, it was when we were talking about games. Game awards. It was a kind of funny games daily. We were talking about a question that brought up the fact that when one of the award recipients at the game awards was receiving, there was a Twitch chat talking about transphobia. Oh, yeah, stuff. I remember this. And that they thought the kind of funny best friends were better than that. And I had to be like, well, you understand, of course that you know we can't check them at the door. Like there's no way to stop somebody from coming in and talking and do this. But in the same way, that's exactly what a best friend isn't about, right? And, like, if you see that happening, they're not a kind of funny best friend. And, like, when we, you know, that first day we launched uh, Kind of Funny Firm and Proper, we were talking about this. Of, you know, we want the community to be self-policing. And when I say that, I don't mean somebody's an asshole and you you scream and yell at them and sink their level. I mean, you know that they're an asshole and they're not a best friend and you can mute them and they don't matter. Their opinion doesn't matter. Ignore it and move on, right? Like, That's the biggest thing I think people lose. Like there are plenty of people who think that just by listening to the show, they're a best friend. When in reality, no, it's you're walking the walk and talking the talk and being respectful to each other and you know celebrating the best parts of the internet and being a positive person and trying to be better, right? I talk about that all the time. Be better to each other. That's what makes a best friend. And so I think somewhere along the lines, we lost the idea of that if you're an asshole, we don't want your fucking money. We don't want your fucking view. Get out of here. And it's not that we lost it as much as we just stopped saying it because we got busy. And again, 98% of the audience totally gets it and doesn't need to worry about it. And But then there are people who want to troll and want to get, you know, under people's skin. And it's always heartbreaking to see people not understand that and try to engage with them, and try to change it. When in reality, clearly they don't want to have a conversation.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's interesting also to see people who... I know from this community who have kind of dropped off from consuming podcasts or YouTube in general, you know, so they're no longer consuming kind of funny content, but they're still in that community and they're still a best friend. So it really, you know, in that sense, it really does almost have nothing to do with whether they listen to a podcast or not. Oh my gosh. Ding, ding, ding. You hit it, right? That's the whole point. It's,
1: it's what I always talk about with meet and greets, right? Where, yeah, the meet and greet is cool to get an autograph or get a photo with us, but The real secret is you're you're there for four hours with all these people who have the exact same interests as you, and you make a new friend and you start a podcast or you just start playing games together. It's not that you got to meet me for ten minutes; it's the fact that you got to hang out with a whole bunch of other people that made you not feel alone, showed you that you're not the only person with these interests, you know, showed you a new person you should want to spend part of your life with. And yeah, you know, I've been around the block long enough that I remember, you know, the old uh, IGN fan crew i should say when like we were doing game scoop where it was you know it was brit and it was H- hobby and it was fozzy and all them and they don't consume kind of funny the way and uh, granted brit's making their own stuff well they're all making their own stuff but you know like they don't consume kind of funny the way
0: they consumed ign but i would imagine they all can- consider themselves a kind of funny best friend like they get that point I mean. mm. so i want to talk now about the dice awards kind of funny showcase and all these extracurricular activities. I'm wondering with the demand that they have on you and your time and your energy, how do you kind of make sure that uh, the kind of funny regular content doesn't suffer? Like that balance, again, that tension that you have to manage between giving too much of yourself to things that aren't core kind of funny. Sure. Well, you know, I think... The game uh the kinda of funny game showcase is
1: the best place to start from and start with, because that was, you know, the most stressed out I've ever been in the industry in twelve years. It was the <laughs> most work I've ever put into anything for kinda of funny or IGN or anything like that, right? And so I I'd like to think I'm usually pretty good about not stretching myself so thin that content would suffer. But the showcase, mm-hmm. you know, did lead to uh, things going up. Hey, we're gonna do this live stream today on Patreon. All right, you know what? We're not gonna do it. We're gonna focus on this. We're gonna do that. Blah blah blah. I feel like that is something I get to get away with that, that one time. <laughs> 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 I feel like if we do another kind of Money game showcase, I'm not allowed to say that. Uh, and that's, you know, the contract that we have with the audience, where you know we miss the uh, uh, the comic book club for the first time ever which is just a year but for the first time ever i missed pub- publishing when mm. i said i'd publish it uh and i you know i apologize to everybody on patreon and every comment on that pa- patreon thread was like are you kidding us don't worry about it we understand what's happening I, get, I think we're so lucky that the content we make for the most part is our lives and us sharing our experiences in these goofy lives where pop chips will send us this and dijon is going to argue about trying to be a tournament winner like that kind of those shenanigans become part of it so the fact that the showcase is killing me, I can talk about on the Game Over Gregory show to make an episode out of it so people understand what's happening. And I think, you know, the transparency we have with the audience, the authenticity we have with the audience makes it so when I'm struggling, they know I'm struggling. Now I don't think that led to bad games dailies. If, if I'd come into games dailies and fall, fallen apart, that would have been a different story. Cause that's a different kind of thing. Nobody gives it. Nobody gives a shit what me and Gary are doing <laughs> on games daily. We're there to talk about what's happening yeah. in the video game world, not about what's happening in our personal life. And that's the, you know, thing you have to walk. Every, every morning I get up, I, the first thing I have to do is get games daily ready. I'm aware of that. I know that I plan for that. And the audience understands they can trust and believe in that too. So I think if, I, I would never miss those deadlines. I would never uh, screw something up there. You know what I mean? Like us moving a live Patreon recording, the show's still going to get done. You're not going to not get the show. You're just mm-hmm. not going to get it there. And I feel like that's the thing is that there's different rules and expectations for each segment of the audience based on what we're doing. And so that you can move that there, but you don't have to worry about it somewhere else in terms of that. But like Games Daily has a completely different set of worries for it. I, I, I never lose sight of the fact when I'm doing a show is when I'm the most happy because I'm the most focused. I, for Games Daily, I understand that I'm in there for an hour and I have my run of show and that's all there is. Now I use the iPad for You're Wrong while I do a live. When I'm doing Games Game Over Greg's show, I'm there. I'm, I'm focused just on that. It's when I'm off camera when it is. Kevin's asking me for this. I, cool Greg needs me to come and prove it at it. Tim needs to talk to me about a trip we're trying to do. I have to have 15 emails to do. I really need to play a fucking video game to talk about a on Games. You know what I mean? like. Yeah that's when it all becomes too much so i'd like to think that you know the stresses of whatever we're putting on outweigh you know i'm sure they they you know pale in comparisons to the successes we yep. get from them where you know game showcase was a great chance for us to do something really cool and really out of the ordinary and again put ourselves in a new light to the audience that doesn't know us you know what i mean i'm sure we brought in a few new best friends from that of uh, Oh, I haven't listened to these guys since they left IGN, or I haven't, you know, you know, I, when Colin stuff happened, I I checked out. Hopefully, it get, shows a, a great example of what we're building here and what we're trying to do here, and the way we can stretch ourselves. And in the same breath, that's what I use Dice Awards for, or any hosting opportunity for right to go out there and be like, yes, I'm knowledgeable about games and I can talk on games daily. I can be funny on this. I can be uh, somebody who offers his soul to the dark lord during a party mode. But I can also come out here and host these professional shows and be funny in that regard,
0: too, and put myself in a different life. Sure. What do you think that you learned out of doing the showcase? Like, is there one thing that you could take away and say, I didn't know that, but when I started doing it? Yeah,
1: I think that if we were going to do another one of these, I'd want a lot more time. You know what I mean? Like, th- this is how, how it had to be. You know, we had a month and a half to pull this thing off and get it done. And we did. But I learned I could use more time. I used I do need to step back more. I need to I need to delineate more probably when the, when it comes to that. I am very much the guy that I'm on the subreddit asking you know answering questions and if you have one I'm going to get it to the right person and I'm going to you know Joey needs this and uh, Tim needs that and I'm bouncing around. I, I needed to say n- no more during that, mm-hmm. right? I need to n- not be afraid to say no to my team and also ask them for help on certain things cuz they're all more capable to do it. Uh, I probably should have skipped a few games dailies there, not because my performance was bad, but because it put me behind, 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 more and more stress on what we were doing. And sure. you know, I think there's something to be learned from that. Uh, and then also, don't put specifics in your script. Don't, <laughs> don't say you have five games, don't say you have these next seven games, just say <laughs> these next games, because something's going to change and it's going to be a pandemonium moment. Oh,
0: man, that's great. What do you think you learned about the industry itself? from doing that? Because this is, I guess, as far as I know, the first time a group of content creators has put together a showcase of this sort.
1: Yeah. To my knowledge too, uh, I learned, you know, it's as awesome as we think it is that there are that many incredible, amazing people making games that, you know, are willing to take a chance on us. And I know that sounds weird to some people like kind of funny It's established and I'm established all these different things, but still to, you know, EA was sharing the Anthem asset for the Game Awards super early with me to talk about how they were going to do this, and then the the amount of people who heard about this stupid thing and changed the release date of their games, (laughs) or made a new trailer from scratch, and in the same, I always talk to developers that, you know, even though it isn't exactly apples to apples, like, what we all do is very similar, you know, we get to ship a game multiple times a day with all these podcasts and products we make. But I understand dealing with the audience, obviously. I understand, you know, dealing with expectations, moving these things around. So to see the people who I know buckle down to get trailers done in a weekend, you know, uh, that they wanted to get their game out to their audience. uh, It was incredible to be a part of these people's moments Mm. and awesome to see them succeed. And so cool to see the tweets from kind of funny best friends and then just, you know, the posts from people who don't know us well on Reset Era being like, wow, this indie game I had never heard of before the showcase is now on my most anticipated list. And have it be, you know, when you say that about any game, people are excited. When you say that about Anthem, the Anthem team is excited. But to see it literally resonate down to the one-man creator, to see it resonate to the team of three that went through all this stuff to put their, their game together and get it on the showcase, like, that's powerful to see them respond to that tweet and be like, oh my god, thank you so much for saying that. Like, I know how many indie games come out and small games come out that never get the time of day that I just read on games daily and have no idea what they look like and don't even come back to ever find out. So to see, you know, 69 games that were all awesome, you know, get the love they deserve and the attention they deserve and have people talk about them as if they were, you know, announcements at the game awards. That was rad. Yeah. That is
0: cool. And doing an event like this, it must have opened up the windows of opportunity to do all kinds of crazy things in the future because this isn't something that i can imagine anyone would have predicted happening until it was actually happening
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think that was that was the nicest you know the people who we tried to work with everybody for the showcase yeah and lots of people were in the camp of as you went to bigger companies like cool I believe in this idea, but I need to be able to show my executives. Yeah. I need to be able to show, you know, like obviously the, you know, developer thing at the front, right? You can imagine the names we went to that didn't, we didn't get. And they're like, it's just like to wait, to spend this person's time on it. They, the people who are in charge of that person need to know what this is going to look like and what it's going to be. So when the showcase went live and, you know, the texts and emails and, you know, conversations I've had in person from people about it, i being like, holy shit, dude, like that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think it did, you know, it it accomplished what we wanted in terms of getting games out to the consumers, uh, you know, promoting creators we think are awesome, but then also putting us into a new league and making us, you know, look different and even, you know, for somebody, we made a lot of headlines when we left and started Patreon, right? And we've had headlines since then, but
0: to have a giant moment like that on the industry stage and have the industry take notice, it it feels good. Mm -hmm very cool so what would you say has been the hardest part of these past couple of years there's the transition finding a new audience keeping the the old one and keeping everyone happy and i guess just personally creating content that's different with a, a new group of people around you
1: oh man that's a big question <laughs> i
0: mean i i can't stress
1: to you enough what a good place we're in now and how much we feel like we're on the we're on the right track and we know where we're going right but Since the launch and doing all this stuff there, I think the things we've, you know, you struggle with is, are we making the right decision? Is this the right thing? Will, you know, will opening this up on Twitch or doing this on YouTube, will that throw everything off balance? Will, you know... I think now we know that we can we can pretty much do any kind of content we want to make, and we're going to have the same core audience. Yeah. But what kind of audi- what kind of content can bring in new audience members and find new best friends? Right, like MCU really caught us off or, off our off guard in terms of how successful that show was. Like we expected it to be cool and be awesome and really you know serve our audience of people who love superheroes, but. To go out there and learn that, oh man, that can really break down walls and that can really get to new places and it can have articles written about it on its own, that was weird and that was different. And so it, it, it you know, the, I would say the past year and a half has been, oh, we know what we're doing. Oh, we understand the audience. Oh, like, oh we feel so rock solid right now. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of we know what we're doing and we know that the audience likes what we're doing. And even if we announce stuff on the 4th and people scratch their heads, we know they're going to give it a shot. And we're and since we believe in it, we're going to be able to make that show something you care about. Yeah. It must be a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's incredible, right? Yeah. But then it comes with the stress of, like, yeah, you know, not that I um, – I, I don't feel like – I guess that's the thing. Back in the day when we started all this, it felt like we were spinning plates, and I, you know, I, I one plate, I had one plate going really well, but then I'd see one start to wobble and run over and start spinning that, mm-hmm. and like you know, jumping behind between all these plates. Like I don't feel that anymore. Now it is that thing of like I don't want to let anybody down. I don't want anybody to be disappointed. I want to make sure we're making the best products we can. But I know we're making the best. I know we already have the best lineup we can we can have. And so like growing that, you know, iterating on that, getting you know the right people into work on all of that. That's what it's all about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So many content creators I know. Are- constantly struggling with like is what i'm doing the best version of this that it can be and sure just small tweaks that might make it better but
1: and that's the thing is i think we have we we know what we're doing is the best and we know the stuff that could be better how to make it better Mm. and hopefully on the fourth that's what it's all about of coming on the blocks and here's what we're doing to change this address that but we have i mean we i think we could you know not change anything and still have a banner 2019 but i think we're about to do some really cool shakeups and you know, some
0: new additions and stuff like that. Mm. just new ideas in there that should really make people happy. That's cool. Is there anything about the fourth phase of kind of funny that you can talk about now a, a day before it's being announced? <laughs>
1: I think it's, I think it's going to be really, really exciting. Yeah. And I think it is going to lead to, I mean, I, it's funny that every, I say every year is our, it's better. Every year for us is better than last year in terms of personal growth, in terms of, you know, professional, uh, I guess milestones. I think this is going to be our best year. And I think we're really going to, I think it's going to be a year where we really do open up to a new audience of people where they are really like, oh man, this is great. And also it'll be easier to define what we are and who we are and what shows you like and why you like them. I think we do do a little bit where things bleed over into one another. Even though I was talking to you about how not everybody watches everything, consumes everything. Mm -hmm. I think we're about to put everything into nice boxes. That'll be easier for people to consume and, Be better for people in the long run. That's cool.
0: So last time I had you on the podcast, I asked you for the advice that you would give yourself 10 years ago if you were coming into the industry now because it's, you know, obviously changed so much and that was really good advice. But, you know, now that uh, we've kind of been talking about evolution, uh, what would be your advice to content creators who are, you know, they've been doing their thing for a while, but they want to take things to the next step and they just don't know how to do it?
1: I think you have to take a long look at your content and see what your, not YouTube comments that are telling you to die or saying, but what your audience and your fans, you know what I mean, what your what your best friends mm-hmm. are looking at your content and saying about it and what they want out of it. And then also looking at your heart of hearts, right? Like, that's the thing is I, I don't think I've ever made anything where I've stepped back and been like, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else I'd change or do there. Like, no, there's always something you want to do. And I think it's about finding what you want and making sure it like it's about finding what you want and making sure that lines up with what you've sold people and what you are to people you know what i mean like we're lucky that our message has been rock solid for a long time of like who we are and what we do and why we do it and so then it's just about iterating on that and finding what we believe in to go change and do so it's about looking at what your audience is saying and being like there's a vetting process of, like, yep, that is Upper Alley, and yep, we know that is a problem, or, well, that's totally off base, and I would never want to do that. Then, you know, I mean, don't mm-hmm. do that. Don't feel forced to do that, right? Like, I would, you know, it's like, you know, when people were like, man, uh, in review should you do all the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> in review should do all the Harry Potter movies. I was like, I'll be, I'll, no thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like watching movies, period. I know that my inclusion on those shows would bring that show yeah. down. That's the, you know what I mean? Like, there's tough decisions to have with yourself more than anybody
0: because again this all comes back to if you believe in what you're creating everybody else will too very good very good okay my last question for you greg before i let you go if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail what would you do as a show or as in life anything we'll start off with anything oh man oh wow (sighs) oh Damn. you've answered this question before but i'm interested to see how it's different <laughs> how it's evolved well you know i when i when i podcast it's a black hole i forget everything yeah, i said okay. i don't know <laughs> i just black
1: out and it's done i'm like all right if i can do anything and not fail what would i do i mean i guess i would i would uh you know try to win the lottery <laughs> have, it is, i mean i don't know i feel like i you i mean like I feel like I've already taken this huge risk with my life, right, mm. of starting kind of funny, and it's paid off. Yeah. It's done very, very well, and it doesn't show any signs of stopping. Cool. Please don't stop supporting us. <laughs> and, you know, like, if I really wanted to write a comic book, I could. You know what I mean? I've started it. I just haven't finished it because, again, I'm not passionate about it. Like, I'm mm. passionate about reading comics in the same way I'm passionate about, uh, you know, playing games. I don't want to go make games, but I love talking about playing games and stuff like that.
0: Sure. Yeah, last what did time, I say last? Yeah, time. last time, <laughs> last time you said uh, I'm already doing it. Kind of funny, you know that thing. Damn right. So. see, there you go. See,
1: I expanded expand a little Ooh, bit. Yeah.
0: But uh, I'm gonna get a little bit more out of you for it. So let's let's take it into like the creative side of things because we've talked about uh, you know a Superman comic, Superman video game. Yeah. What would be like the creative project that if you could be guaranteed to succeed and just do it? Like, what would that be?
1: I mean, I've always you know. Kind of funny started uh, as the Game Over Gregory channel mm-hmm. uh, when I fell in love with making sh- YouTube at VidCon that one year. It's a tired story. I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I, the show I always wanted to make and what I was actually making or Artich in a conversation with Colin to get ready to make was going to be a chicken wing show. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. I would love to do a, a, a show about chicken wings where I, you know, I travel the country, the world, or whatever, eating different chicken wing spots, talking about it. Talk, and not even, like... You know, just re- reviewing the wings, but like having a sit down at, with these business owners that have established this thing and being like, how did it happen? What did this, you know, all these different things. Like, I feel like it's a show I would love to, to do, but I also don't think the amount of time, money, work that would go into it would necessarily, definitely for where we are right now, it's kind of funny, make it worth it, right? Like, that's a travel channel show or something of that effect where people are going there for that kind of content. I would love to see that one day be a thing that I can make that I can
0: be sure is going to be you know, successful and be worth yeah. it. I mean, I'd watch it, definitely. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm wearing my Wing Wings t-shirt. I see it, <laughs> represent. <laughs> All right, well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show. Like I said before, I think that you know the, the luck that I had to get you on here at the start was uh, a huge influence on, on being able to get guests over the past two years. So thank you again for giving me your time. I know you don't do a lot of podcasts, but it's, it means a lot to me. Oh, no problem, man. Thank
1: you and congratulations.
0: That was episode 100. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to Audio Technica. With special thanks this week to Snowbike Mike and Pixel Brave for the thumbnail. You can catch Greg on Twitter and Instagram at GameoverGreggy. If you enjoyed the episode or any of my episodes, please leave an iTunes review or a five-star rating. It really goes a long way to helping out the show. And if you really enjoyed it, please go to 8bit.net/piw. That's A-T-E-B-I-T, and you can pick up some sweet putting in work merch and check out the rest of the awesome podcast content. from my friends in the 8-bit collective otherwise you can follow me on social media at Jono himself and until next week keep putting in work